What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hi everyone, Chris Bell here. You've tuned into Indie Beat, the podcast about the indie film scene. We interview filmmakers, programmers, critics, everyone under the sun. Well, this one particular sun, uh, anyway. S-U-N. We're on the Playlist Podcast Network with a host of other great shows, so please do check them out as well. Today I had on action filmmaker Micah Khan, first time we've had an action filmmaker on the podcast. Uh, The episode runs a bit longer than normal, but it got fairly real and raw, talking about being an artist without having much money or connections. Old heads know I love talking about that kind of shit, so when the conversation got that honest, I thought it was something that needed to stay in and be out there. So, without further ado, strap yourself in for the interview. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm here with old friend Micah Khan, filmmaker... Micah Khan, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, you know, I'm keeping it real. I'm, I'm trying to keep it real, you know? The realist, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's jump right in. You you make uh, action films. Yeah. It's... Yeah, um, yeah. I make, a, I make little no-budget uh, action films that seem people seem to like. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, yeah, I mean, you are... I'll, I'm pretty sure the only action director that I know personally, uh, <laughs> but your shit is good. I mean, I can, I just got into action movies somewhat recently. I was kind of, um, my taste goes more towards like art house, slow stuff, but I, what was your, what was your gateway mark uh, action movie? Oh, I don't have one. I don't know. Um, oh, you just said that you just got it in, got into it recently. So yeah. What was, what was it? Within the last within the last couple of years, um, I don't know what it was. I think if I can if I can really think back, I think it was uh, I started smoking weed more. <laughs> um, so you know, it's like of course, like everything is just like you're way more. Uh, I don't know what the word is. I mean, for lack of better words, you're way more into things and you're able to appreciate them and think about them more just because you're like you know, zonked and being like seeing the fine yeah. details. Um, and I don't know, it just clicked. I was able to, within the last few years, appreciate more like the kinetic, uh, feeling you get from seeing like a good action scene. But I also like, I, I didn't know what a good action scene was where you can actually feel it. And oh, yeah. seeing your films, I can actually, feel it. I can feel the hits. It feels good. It's not like you're watching a Marvel movie and they're like cutting all around and stuff and you can't even like get into the action because you don't really know where you are. You, you know, I don't really have the vocabulary for it. The easiest way I can say it is that you feel it or you don't. In action movies in general, um, you know, geography is really important and clarity and a lot of action movies nowadays 
uh, don't really do that. Um, they they kind of just, you know, the shaky cam is an excuse uh, when your actors don't really know how to fight. But it doesn't need to be. Like, um, for, my, for my films, a lot of my actors uh, didn't have a lot of stunt experience and uh, not a lot of martial arts experience. I mean, you, you see my most recent short, Safe House, um, Kristen, who's the lead, has no martial art experience. We taught her everything she knows in two days. Um, but what it comes down to is that if we overcomplicate things, you know, if we give her too much to do, we keep the moves simple, she's going to be able to do them, you know. But if we, um, if we do it, uh, if, we, if we try to make Atomic Blonde on no budget, it's not going to happen. If we're going to try to make John Wick on a budget, it's just, it's just not going to happen, you know. So one of the rules that I went into when I was making this film is, you know, I watched a great behind-the-scenes video. Uh, it was on the Blu-ray of John Wick. And um, they were, they were, the son of the stunt coordinators were talking about how they, um, they talk about how Keanu could do 22 moves um, before having to cut. And that is incredible. I mean, I know you don't know the, the, the jargon, but that, that, that is a feat. That's, that's, that's stunt, that's a stunt, that is a seasoned stuntman level uh, amount of moves. So what I aim for with my films is two to three. Two to three because two to three establishes a rhythm. You know, um, three, I, th- three to four is the best. And if I can get three to four, great. But um, if I can get two to three, I'm happy, honestly. I guess what it is, too, is that my taste uh, tends to be things that are happening within a single take. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do automatically appreciate when things are going on and you're not cutting a lot. Yeah. So aside from like, I don't want to say gimmicky, but the more obvious ones like the old boy, you know, hallway scene or the daredevil hallway scene where it's like, okay, yeah, this is cool. Um, it would appreciate things happening even in not so long takes, but when they're yeah. like, there are stunts, there's like a physicality to it. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a reason why there's an art to editing too, you know, and that, that translates to action scenes too. So one of the things that I really try to focus on is figuring out the editing in my head too of how I'm going to cut together these fights. So I, I mean, everyone in the industry pre-visits fights. Everyone tries to figure it out before they even get there. And one of the things that I try to focus on is bringing the cinematic language to action sequences. Cause I feel like that's something that not a lot of people do is they kind of just shoot their coverage with their action films. But I try to, you know, use, you know, whatever, whatever cinematic language there is, to create the scene rather than just shoot whatever I can as fast as I can. What do you mean? You mean you're thinking about specific angles, whereas you don't think other right. people do? Well, so like over the shoulders, right? Like over the shoulders and like, and, 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 uh, you know, single shots, like when you're, where a character's isolated and framed, like if you go back and watch safe house, like a lot of the, even, even in the action sequences, there's still, there's still storytelling happening with just the framing and how the action is shot. You know, uh, for example, in Safe House, um, we don't see Hellcat and Rouge in frame together until the fight starts, you know, because they're they're about to collide with each other. It builds that anticipation to the action even more. You know, it's it's like to me, it feels like a little bit of a subconscious filmmaking uh, choice. I mean, if even if you go back to some of the best action filmmakers, they still respect cinematic language and you know, what each shot is telling, uh, the subconscious or subtextual story, 
you know, I mean, James Cameron's one of my favorite directors, and he's one of the masters at it. And it's the reason why he makes some of the best action films of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, even uh, when I wasn't quite into action stuff uh, in college studying film, I was like, yo, Terminator 2 is the sickest shit. Yo, Terminator 2 is the... Okay, I always joke... Terminator 2 is my favorite movie of all time. Um, it, I always joke that the action genre could have retired after Terminator 2 because it was the best action movie ever made. Uh, <laughs> but that's just the personal preference, you know. Um, but Terminator 2 is actually just one of the best story, like visually one of the best stories. Ah, man, you're going to get me started on Terminator 2 right now. And I, I just love that movie too much. Uh, and I, I, I watched that movie, like, I was a big Schwarzenegger fan growing up. So, like, I watched a lot of his movies, but I feel like Predator and Terminator 2 were the two I watched the most. So, like, those kind of, like, those two movies in like have created who I am as a filmmaker basically. And then alongside, but there's a TV show that I watched growing up that I was absolutely obsessed with. And it was Samurai Jack. I'm absolutely obsessed with Samurai Jack. It's like one of the best TV shows of all time. Yeah. I just remember walking into my friend's basement and Terminator two was on, uh, the TV. And I remember it was one of the final chase scenes and just watching it and just being like, it's everything you want. You were like, oh, it'd be cool as hell if this happened and it happens. And then, like, <laughs> what if he, like, bursts through the flames and does this and it happens? It's like literally everything you could want to see, like, eye candy wise, uh, just everything. Like, what would be the coolest thing to happen right now? And it happens and it still feels good. Um, yeah. That is what that movie means to me. And I haven't really seen it since, but I still am like, I yeah, stand that, by what that, I said. It really holds up, yeah. honestly. If you get a chance to rewatch it, um, watch it. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally, like, I, ugh, man. Like, every hit lands in that film. Like, everything hurts when you watch it. You know, um, there's, uh, God, there, I just remember there's one scene, I don't, I don't like, uh Never mind. I don't want to get started on Terminator. It's too much. It's too much to go through. <laughs> How do you pull from something like uh, Terminator 2 for your craft? And how do you pull from, like, I assume you're into martial arts movies as well. Um, I'm, I, was, I was a martial artist throughout my whole life. Um, I, I did Kung Fu. I did, I did Wing Chun Kung Fu growing up. And I did, uh, I did Kyokushin Karate. And I did, um, I did Judo and Jiu Jitsu. Uh, and my favorite martial art was Muay Thai. Uh, I, I, I've been, I've been doing it since I was a kid. My, all throughout high school, my intention was to become a, uh, a cage fighter. Um, and, and then when I was 19, I broke my foot, uh, training and, um, uh, yeah. And that kind of like, that kind of set me in a, in a perspective where I was like, do I really want to deal with not walking for a year ever again? You know, um, and I, I remember that year where I just could like, I could not even like, I remember not walking. Like that was the scariest part for me. I was like, I had to, I was totally reliant on other people. And I'm like, is this something that pe like I want to deal with forever? And, um, I mean, it, it, it's just funny. Like to me, um, where, where I thought that was like kind of the end of one world, uh, 
it kind of translated. It took me a while um, because when I first started in the entertainment industry, I was a comedian. Um, and then I thought comedy would lead me to acting and then acting would lead me onto film sets and f- film sets would, you know, I would climb the hierarchy and be- start directing films. And I was like 40. Um, and that, that was, I thought that was like the trajectory, like the, the, the climb to the top. Um, I was very naive back then. I didn't know much about the industry. Um, but, uh, I mean, comedy was great for me. Um, and then acting was fun, but definitely wasn't me. It was really filmmaking that really kind of, uh, made me feel like me. Um, and I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what to make. So I start. I mean, I started off making comedies and dramas, uh, and they never were truly didn't really truly feel like me until I made my first action film. You know, I, <laughs> it's funny because I watched um, Robert Rodriguez Ten Minute Film School uh, on the behind the scenes of uh, Desperado, and um, he he does this uh, behind the scenes video of. Uh, like how to how to do an action scene, and I was like, you know what? If if Robert Rodriguez can do it like this, I can do it too. And like in the next three weeks, um, it was like a, it, it was a chain event of like three different things. It was like watching that video, and then Game of Thrones Battle for Winterfell happened that 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 year. I don't know if you're a Game of Thrones fan at all, yeah. but um, but that action sequence, I was like, that was like that that war scene with the, between the bastards was literally one of my favorite action sequences of all time. And then I went from there to deciding to make a short film uh, with swords. Um, can you hear my mom in the background talking to my dog? No. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I took that and I, uh, I got two of my best, my best friends to be in it. And I was like, it's a very simple premise. It's about, it's a revenge story. It's a, the only word of dialogue is in it is in in it is uh, one of the characters says you, and for me, uh, when I said when I had him say that, I was like, that's all the story you need. This guy, he's covered in dirt, he's covered in blood, he's been in a battle, and he finds this guy eating an apple on the top or a, a peach on the top of a mountain, and he says you. There's already a story there. There's and it's for people to figure out what that is, you know, uh, but there there's something there. Um, so we did that. And, uh, it, it, within three weeks of, of watching that video and that, and that Game of Thrones episode, I made my first action short, which is called The Summit, uh, which is a sword fight on the top of a mountain in the Adirondacks. Um, and it, it came out great. I mean, I really loved it. It had a great score to it. It had great action to it. It was my first time choreographing, uh, action and it, it had a great festival run. It went to a lot of film festivals. Um, Adirondack Film Festival, Cinemax's Urban Action Showcase, uh, uh, Blackbird Film Festival, um, just a bunch of film festivals. I can't even remember half the ones we went to. Um, but it definitely wasn't the best I could do. And I, and I feel like I constantly keep, I can, I keep learning how to do it better and better each time. And then, um, the summit, the summit, when I first, when it first came out, people really didn't care for it. Uh, it wasn't until festivals started like liking it that people were like, "Yeah, that's kind of the best thing you've done." It was really, um, <laughs> it's actually my my girlfriend who was like the first when we first started dating. I had not shown her any of my films, 
Um, and I was like, all right, I was like a little too embarrassed to show her anything. And then she, she watched all of them. And the only one she liked was the summit. And I'm like, and she's like, yeah, that's the best one you got. I'm like, maybe there is something there. And then, and then I started, <laughs> and then I started submitting it to film, film festivals after that. Um, and then I started planning, I was trying, I was trying to figure out what to do next. And, um, I was, I wanted to do, I mean, a lot of my movies, uh, I don't really like, I don't really like dialogue too much. Um, it's, it might be a personal choice, but I really just like movies where people do stuff rather than say stuff. And maybe it's just cause I'm obsessed with, you know, Samurai Jack and, you know, Terminator 2 where people are mostly running or fighting, um, or, you know, Predator where they're just surviving and, you know, there's not a lot of dialogue in any of those movies if you really think about it. Um... So I started planning this film called Rouge at the time, and it was supposed to be like a North by Northwest style suspense thriller uh, with action in it. And um, that kind of fell that kind of fell apart when like a week the week we started trying to film it, um, it was it was just freezing cold outside, and nobody wanted to be outside. So a bar, um, the Bradley in in Troy, New York, uh, let us film there on Super Bowl weekend. And so I had to rewrite the entire film to take place indoors and um, to take place indoors and I had to re-choreograph all the fights to be inside. Um, and that was not, that was crazy because we had to be out um, the first day we were, we, we can only be there nine to four until the bar opened. And then the next day we were only there allowed to be there from nine to two. Um, because that's when the Super Bowl started and we had to finish this whole film between those times. Um, and we did it. I mean, we, we killed it. I mean, um, it, it, it was supposed to be longer and more suspense driven, but just because of time, we didn't have the, the chance to do any of the stuff that I really wanted to do. So I just let it go. You know, um, we, 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 you gotta kill your babies if, um, you want to make the day. Uh, so I did. And I, we, we wrote stuff and we figured stuff out. We figured stuff out on the fly. It turned into a little bit more of a, a born identity style action film, which is fine. I mean, um, I love it and people seem to love it. This is safe house. Yeah. It's safe house. Now it's rewritten. We renamed it safe house. Cause I felt like it gave a little bit more exposition to what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. That, that movie was pretty dope. Um, okay. and I don't watch, uh, a lot of like no to low budget action shorts or anything. Um, so I don't really have anything to compare it to except, you know, the like action movies I watch, which are like the huge budget ones or, you know, the direct to DVD ones that I get my hands on every so often. Yeah. What, what is the, without throwing anybody under the bus, what is like the comparison, you know, to, other action shorts you've seen action shorts i wouldn't i wouldn't say there's 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 any um there weren't were, were there weren't a lot of short films that influenced this film um a lot of it was there was an episode of samurai jack that i really liked jack of the bounty hunters where these 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 uh bounty hunters come to this location where they know samurai jack is going to be and they plan to ambush him and a lot of the film a lot of the episode is done without dialogue um, the, uh, well, the last, you know, five minutes of it is done without dialogue at all. 
and I just thought it was incredible. Um, the filmmaking in it, the storytelling in it. Um, so the biggest influence would be that. Um, and then of course my, you know, uh, <laughs> Desperados, it, it was an influence on it. Uh, except I didn't want to do guns. I just feel like narratively, uh, for me, guns are kind of boring because everyone seems to either hit people or miss, and it's mostly miss. Um, because if you shoot, I mean, there was a great movie that came out um, in 2016, 17, called Free Fire. Uh, I don't know if you saw it at all, but they they do a they, it's a the movie's an hour and a half long gun gunfight, like it's, it's a shootout, and um, but the people when they get shot they didn't die. They just got injured, and I liked that, and it was interesting. And people didn't die right away; they bled out. Or like, uh, I, if I did do guns, it'd be something like that, eventually. Um, but like stuff like you know, Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation is, is is one of my favorite action movies, and that has a lot of you know uh, minimal dialogue when the action starts. And um, the I, I feel like it's a very, it's a combination of a bunch of different influences. It really comes down to. You, when you've traveled with the film, have you seen other action short films? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, with the exception of the one film festival we went to that was an action film festival, which was which is Cinemax's Urban Action Showcase, where we, we got finalists in a no-budget short film competition. Um, that was the best. Uh, that, that, was, that was the only place where we really had... Um, we got a chance to look at any other action films and a lot of them um, were full of, I mean, I, me personally, I really didn't like a lot of them just because there were mostly just action sequences with no story or it's too much story and too much action sequence. It was just, there was just no balance for me, um, which is fine. I mean, to each their own. I mean, I'm not going to uh, critique other filmmakers um, action sequences, and, but um you know, Adirondack Film Festival we went to the, with this, um, and they, they, I, I remember, I remember going to screenings of that, and some people, it's it's tough to it's tough to um, it's tough to program something like a like Safe House because, um, it's just different, and it's it's different than anything else anyone's seeing at a film festival. I remember at Adirondack Film Festival, people walked out of my. We, people walked out of my film because they just didn't get it. They're like, why is an action movie here? Um, you know, this, this is supposed to be like a drama block. It's not a drama. And I'm like, to me, it's a drama. There's, there's, there's things happening. People are dealing with stuff. You know, it's not, it's just, you know, some people just didn't get it. And a lot of people don't get it. You know, a lot of film festivals, I had, a, I had a one film festival email me back and they were like, we just don't know how to program it, to be honest. And I was like, that's, that's fine. Thanks for being honest about it. Um, you know, it's tough because I, I, I like to go to film festivals that aren't just action film festivals um, because I think it's good enough. Um, but ultimately, it is what it is. I mean, um, I think the best that could happen to the film did happen to the film. Yeah, I don't recall any of the festivals I've been to having an action block of shorts or like pretty yeah. much like any action movies save a, f- a few here and there but i don't know yeah. i'm kind of pressed There's to even name any, one any film festival i've ever been to blackbird film festival had an action block and we and, and i i had submitted the summit to it and it, it won best action film there but um i mean 
any film festival I've ever gone to, there there are no action films, and I'm always a, I always end up going there as the guy. I'm like, yeah, I directed, you know, the the action film, and everyone else is like, I directed this drama about my life, and I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's tough. Like I I mean, <laughs> a lot. It's tough because I get it because a lot of people, you know, I talk to, they're like, oh, I'm influenced by. You know, I'm influenced by Gus Van Sant, or you know, I'm influenced influenced by um, uh, God, some other drama directors. I can't remember. Um, but like for me, like you know, my influences are you know Japanese anime. Uh, my influencers are James Cameron. My influences are John McTiernan. My influences are um, my 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 more recent influences are Akira Kurosawa and his samurai movies. You know, um, uh, uh, God, I. I I like I like action movies, and I feel like you can talk about a lot of problems about the human condition through that too. You know, um, you know. There, I, I've been reading a lot of Harlan Ellison lately, and something he said in one of his books really, um, really gave me some justification to what I'm trying to do with my life and my action movies. You know, uh, I tell I tell everybody, you know, I I like to see what characters do against pushed against a wall. Or you know, or or forced to make a choice whether to to do to do violence or not, you know. And a lot of my action sequences, you know, you asked me if I was a fan of martial arts movies. I love martial arts movies, but I don't want to make martial arts movies. Um, I I don't. I think that what what you were saying right is earlier as well is like you know a lot of Marvel. There's a lot of Marvel movies out there, and they kind of make violence look awesome. And um, just from from me personally, like I've been in a lot of fights, and there's usually nothing cute or pretty about it. Um, you know, violence is not something we should be. I mean, I'm not I'm not here to preach. You know, like if you enjoy, I enjoy spectacle action movies. You know, I I just don't want to make spectacle action movies. Um, I want my the violence and the action in my movies to make you feel like you don't want to fight people who. Like, if you're not this tough, you know, like, it's, it's like that episode of Spongebob is like, uh, how tough are you, you know, can you watch this film? Sorry, I made a Spongebob reference while talking about action movies. Um, <laughs> welcome to the Salty Spittoon, how tough are you? If I can insert a little of myself into this, yeah. just so we don't, like, uh, make this too action-centric, my boy, Andre Tarkovsky. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, my God. He said yeah. that you should take moral responsibility for what you have on screen. And that always affected me, and I remember I wrote it down, and then I remember reading it back and being like, man, sometimes I don't know if I can adhere to this. Uh, I don't know now, like, but back in the day when I was writing certain things, I was like, I don't know about that. But there definitely absolutely is something to it. So like, how much you want to do this thing um, which involves some sort of violence, you know, and how do you kind of do that without perpetuating kind of or like putting nasty things in the ether, you know, like right. certain takeaways and, you know, how much of that can you actually control and how much of that can you kind of get behind and kind of steer in a more, I don't want to say positive way, but in a in a way that isn't super negative or dangerous i mentioned harlan ellison and one of the things he said um in his in ellison speaks which was in the luna monthly uh 46 march 1973 
I have it written down. <laughs> uh, it is in moments of violence that we have confrontation, that we find out what we believe in and whether we have soul and spirit. They are the pivotal points in our lives. And so, like, that that's kind of perfect. That's exactly... That's exactly what I'm trying to do with my movies is I'm just trying to create characters through pivotal moments of choice of whether to do violence or not to do violence, you know? Well, I mean, you know, we've, we've in this country been at war for like decades and people are very, very flippant about it. Very much so. And it's like, are we in, you know, how do you battle that? But are we in some way like perpetuating it? If we're just like flipping ourselves about the stuff we put in our movies. Um, you know, and it's, it's not, it can't be just like, um, you know, there, there is like a a tendency to be like, that's not how like art works or whatever, but like art also doesn't really have any rules. So you can see a problem and not do it, you know? Right. You know, it's, it's funny you say that, like I'm reading a book right now, uh, from a guy who's a, a, a strategic prof- a professor of strategic, strategic defense at, um, um, God, what was it, Georgetown University. Um, his name is Sean McFaith, and he talks about war futurists. And one of the reasons why our military seems to keep failing is because of uh, these war futurists telling our generals and our uh, our military people how they think the military should run. And he really blames filmmakers for being irresponsible for what they put. He calls um, filmmakers few, a war futurists. Um, and he really, he, he blames them for what they put on screen and, you know, how like how irresponsibly they've influenced other people uh, about what they think. So, like, when Iron Man came out, the military, you know, put together a project to build an Iron Man suit because that's what they do. You know, they're, they're just as much as influenced by entertainment as we are. Well, they also have especially in those Marvel movies, a lot of influence on that as well. Like, uh, you know, Captain Marvel just came out and that whole thing is the air force is heavily involved in that script and all that. Um, yeah, I see his point. I don't want to let off, you know, a lot of other parties, you know, off the hook. Um, but it definitely is something that's, that's interesting to, to dwell on, especially when you're coming up with movies that are, you know, these are action movies. Right, and it's definitely something that I try to figure out. You know, even with Safe House, you know, my my the the action in it is not meant to look pretty. It's meant to hurt, and you feel it. I mean, I feel like I accomplished that pretty well. So, what comes first? Does the fight scene comes first? Does the idea for a story comes first? For me, um, for me, it's premise. You know, like for me, it's it's situation and or, or premise. Like um, fight scenes definitely don't come first for me. Uh, though they come naturally to me. Um, I, 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 I feel like I write action sequences really well. Um, a lot of my scripts, you know, I kind of write all the action beats down, and all, I write all my choreography down, too, in the scripts. So I, I, I figure out as much as I can about how I want it to look. Um, but no, it's definitely, it's definitely, like, it has to be... A lot of the times it's an image of, like, how... like. I'll be driving and I'll get an image of how a character reacts to a certain situation. You know, the, the film I'm working on right now, I'm writing a, a giant mech Western. Um, and it just, it just came from an image I had in my head of a, of a, of a cowboy with a giant mech in his driveway, you know? And I, I was like, there's a story there. I don't know what it is yet, but 
Uh, and I've been figuring that out. I mean, it always starts with like an image for me um, of, and I, you know, I'm a big fan of Westerns too. So in general, you know, I keep telling people it's like unforgiven with giant robots. Um, but yeah, like that, that's, that's where it starts for me. Um, the action, action's tough because safe house, we got really lucky with the, with the, um, the way the, the bar was structured, because if it was structured any other way, um, and if like Rouge, the main character had any other way to get out without having to confront Hellcat, it wouldn't have worked. If we saw any other doors, if we saw any, like any other way out other than the way she came in, it wouldn't have worked. And that way the action sequence now serves the story. You know, it, it, there's only one way out. And if she doesn't beat this person, there is no way out. But if there had been another door, why didn't she just run out? You know, you know, for me, those are things that I have, I think about because I don't like writing action. I don't like writing action scenes that have no purpose that they just stop the story and then there's an action, there's a fight scene, right? Like, I, I hate when movies do that. Um, so f- for me, it's really figuring out who these characters are. And maybe I'll come up with some events and stuff like that. But I never try to steer too much. I like to, I don't like to steer action to, to unless it's telling the story. So you write, you write the script and you're writing the action scenes as well, like fairly detailed. So then yeah. what happens? So you're casting... And Almost annoyingly you're... detailed, to be honest, because everyone seems to be like, it's a manual now. Uh. <laughs> um, so, but now, like, choreography comes in, and I I don't even know what that entails, really. <laughs> choreography starts with the first punch, man. Um, you just get two actors together, and we, and we, we, you know, we figure it out. We, we go through it. I mean, a lot of it is teaching them how to do stunts and, you know, like some some basic stuff like stacking, which is like placing people in certain in certain frame positions that it looks like they're hitting each other but not. If that makes sense, you know, stacking is probably the most important thing, and and um, it's really just placing actors in a way where it looks like they're getting hit when they're really not. You know, uh, I try to leave you know a foot of distance between people, uh, so they're not actually hitting each other. So any of the scenes in Safe House, unless they're grabbing each other, they're really just a foot away from each other. And that is because I use a lot longer lenses when I'm filming. And so the, the compression really helps. And if, you know, um, it, it helps me, it helps make, make things look more realistic as long as they're playing it well, you know, as long as they're selling the hits. Choreography is tough, man. Like, I, I would love to have some magic way to tell you how to do it. Uh, but the way I just did it is I just, we, we grabbed a couple sticks and we, like, the first time I ever did an action movie, with Summit, we just grabbed a couple sticks and we we're like, all right, this is how we're going to do this, I guess. And then once they got the choreography down, once we really figured out all the moves, then I brought a camera in and I started filming it. You know, I started filming the choreography and figuring out how to shoot the film. Definitely a dance routine. Uh, I mean, we time things out. You know, we, we, we create a rhythm. Um, you know, John Schner, uh, who I work with a lot in my action movies, he's really good at figuring that out with me. Yeah, I mean, he's been there since I, the fir- like, he's been in all, most of my movies, to be honest, just because he's good at figuring it out. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it really, it really, it, it really does come down to um, rhythm, and it does sometimes feel like a dance. Are there things that, you want to do and you haven't done yet 
Like, are there things that you need someone who would be really great at stunts? Uh, I mean, I, I wrote this, I wrote this, uh, man, I'm going to, I'm going to give this out to the world and I'm going to hate myself for it, but I'm going to do it anyways. But I want to do this. I have this action sequence like written, like, um, of a car chase, a, a three, a three car car chase that also has a flight inside one of the cars. Uh, and they're all driverless cars. So they're self-driving cars. So an action sequence happening on a highway with three cars where our hero is fighting their way out of one car and trying to get out while being, and then they start to, you know, fight the other cars because the other cars are trying to take him out. And they're all self, like they're all self-driving cars. So there's no driver. So they like I, I I just think there's a tension in that that I love because like, I'm already I already have anxiety about self driving cars so like to put an action scene in one for me like I, like it's a Fast and the Furious movie easily like I'd love to do a Fast and the Furious movie with Teslas. When would they do a Fast and the Furious where they're not driving the cars? That would be hilarious though, wouldn't it? Yeah, like, maybe like be... they'll do it like nineteen. Fast, Fast and the Furious 19. We give up. <laughs> Vin Diesel's just 70. He's like, I can't drive anyways. <laughs> Family. <laughs> There's. I went to. I brought my film to my old school, Long Island University. And wow. um, I was just like, dude, nobody's going to like this movie. But I really wanted to talk to them because nobody had came to me and be, and was like, you can still make movies after you graduate. You know, it's not. Yeah. It's it's not this, like, thing where you have to kind of wait to be chosen. I don't know if that was ever true, but now we have digital cameras. We can just do it. So I really wanted to, them to see it, and it's like maybe one person will like it. But what I really wanted to do was talk to them and be like, you can make a movie for no money, and right. it can be what you want. It doesn't have to be this, like, art house, like, drama with some weird, you know, comedic things in it. It can be like if you're into sci-fi, you can do that. You can figure it out a way. And what I like about your stuff is like action, and you figure it out a way to do it. And like, I'm not like blowing smoke up your ass. Like the action scenes you have done, I I feel them. It feels good. I enjoy them. It's better than the stuff that uh, studio money or whatever you know any kind of company money is behind like i feel it more right. in your like very no budget stuff and you know that that just comes down to that i i really love action and i love i think that you can you can get a lot of character out through action and choices and the way a person chooses to fight a fight you know a lot of jackie chan's films they're not that he not not that he's more powerful than people is that he just finds a way to outsmart them you know um it's it's stuff like that that I, I really like to bring to bigger budget films. And I, I hope that I, I do get a budget sometimes. I really want to do more ambitious things um, with my action sequences um, and my action films in general. I mean, I, I have... I literally have, like, tons of files of just action scenes that I've written that I'm like, I want to do this in one day. And a lot of them are, you know, require a stunt coordinator or like VFX and stuff like that. So there's not going to be things that I'm going to get done uh, soon. Um, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get this giant robot film off the ground right now. I've written the short film, I'm writing the feature right now. Um, the short film, everyone seems to love it, but nobody really wants to commit to it. And that's been really tough because, you know, um, you know, I, I, I've, 
I don't know, because Safe House, Safe House has been doing really well, you know. Um, and people people have reached out to me and they're like, hey, like, what do you want to work on next? And a lot of people just don't seem to want to take the same level of urgency that I do on making my next film. Um, mostly because I don't know, I don't know what it, I don't know what it comes down to. Um, but I'm so used to making everything myself that it really doesn't matter. Like I'm already planning my next, you know, action film and it's, I'm going to do in the next month or two, um, which is literally just going to be two people. I'm going to start choreographing it soon. And, um, one of the things I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do right now is give myself more limitations and not, I'm trying to make an action film with two people in a room for 10 minutes and but with 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 dialogue um I'm trying to um build build suspense through dialogue is what I really want to do it's kind of I'm trying to make an action film that's reminiscent of that opening scene in Inglorious Bastards um you know but ends with a really uh interesting life or death like shoot, like fight or flight action scene at the end yeah, for me, like if if I can give any advice, um, not that I should be giving any advice. I really just did these things. Is is you know, I I stopped saying what if and just started saying how can I, you know, and if 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 it's if things can't happen, it's okay. Just rewrite. Like it's film. Like you gotta. I have to. I'm. I've let go of so many ideas. I don't get rid of them. I just keep them for another time. You know, I, I, I cut things out. I'm, I'm very, I'm not precious about things. I'm, I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. So I cut it. That's not going to happen. So I cut it, you know, um, it's, a, it's, it's time. If you don't have money, all you have is time. So you have time to put, you know, put things together. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to do is learn to take, I'm going to take prop making classes and set building classes so I can start building my own sets and investing my own money into doing things myself. You know, um, it's not the best way to do it. Obviously, I wouldn't want to do this forever, but I'm gonna, I'm going to because I want to make more ambitious stuff. So, and I can't afford to pay somebody to do them. So I have to figure out how to do it myself. Yeah, I mean, I think I bring this up a lot on the show, but I think there are like a lot of people who won't. You know, they have a yearn to like make movies, but they are seemingly like started off like their ideas start off at like. A million plus like they don't right. think to use what they have in order to make something interesting and you can do that and i think some people just aren't interested in that which is like right. fair enough but i think a lot of people can make a lot of cool things but they just refuse because they think that there's a price point that they need to have and they refuse to think about to kind of calibrate an idea to just take place on like wherever they live and their friend's right. place and, you know, stuff like that. And that doesn't mean people just talking like that could mean like something weird happens. So it's like a horror or a sci-fi or right. they fight. And that means it's a action movie. You know, you can do all right. these things for little, but I wanted to get into your film short house, which I don't think, sorry, <laughs> short house. <laughs> no, it's short house now. Short house. Um, you, I don't think you actually told everybody oh, what, yeah. like a, a brief, uh, synopsis of what it is, but I also wanted to get into what happened, uh, after you completed it and started sending it out. And right. you, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I, I, I oh yeah. I'll get, I'll feed you baby bird. I gotcha. Uh, um, so the synopsis of, of Safe House is that um, a spy named Rouge, uh, after mission failure, returns to a safe house uh, for, you know, 
anybody who knows anything about the spy, the spy world, the safe house is where you go for extraction. You know, it's uh, where you think you're going to go home or you're going to get to somewhere else. You know, um, I, I don't make that very explicit because I feel like I don't want to explain it. So, you know, we made the film and we sent it to a couple of film festivals and a lot of film festivals were like, um, we don't know what to do with this. Um, and then I submitted it to El Rey Network. Um, I was like, whatever, I'll take the chance. And El Rey Network, um, one, like almost one year after we made the film, like they got back to me and they're like, hey, you're a semifinalist. I'm like, a semifinalist in what? They're like, the People's Network Showcase. You know, out of a few thousand submissions, we liked yours and you're a semifinalist. And we'll let you know if you get to the next round. I'm like, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then I got, like a week or two later, I got an email like, hey, you're a finalist. Now we're going to, you know, all the, like, whoever and whoever is going to gonna watch it. And we're going to decide who the, who the winners are. I'm like, cool, man. No way I win. You know, a thousand submissions are probably... Uh, you, you, know, probably, you sound so nonchalant, though. Come on, you, were you nervous? Were you excited? I was. I was super excited just to have Robert Rodriguez watch it. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Robert Rodriguez, and just knowing that maybe somehow he would get a chance to watch it, I was like, there is nothing better. There's no better feeling than that. And uh, I feel like he did. Um, I feel like he liked it because he followed my lead actress on on Twitter. So. Uh, that was a win for me, but yeah. So then, and then they emailed me back. I mean, I was I was both full of anxiety and um, and excited because I was like, if I win, this would be so cool. Because I'm actually a big fan of the L Ray Network. I watch kung fu movies on it all the time. Um, so then the time came, and they're like, "Hey, you won." And I was like, "Holy shit! My film's gonna play on L Ray Network. This is amazing." And um, and then that was cool. And then we, you know. Uh, it played. It played on El Rey Network. They did an interview. You know, you know, they showed my interview, and we had a big party at the bar that we filmed at, and a lot of people showed up. It was, it was not so. Um, and then that kind of opened some new doors for me. You know, people, people, um, people are taking me more seriously as an action filmmaker. I, I feel. I mean, obviously, you asked me to do your podcast. You hated me before this. I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it. I feel like the biggest thing that came out of it is that people were like, oh, man, action films are can be – people want to watch them. Yeah, yeah. People just assume that at indie level, people just want to watch dramas. But people want to watch action no matter what, you know, as long as it's good. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that's been that's – been, that's really been the coolest thing is just being able to, you know, play on TV and – you know, be able to say that you know my my film played on Robert Rodriguez's L Ray Network. Um, you know, it's just weird because it's like full circle because I watched that ten minute film school before I made my first action film, and then he's just and then I played on the guy's TV channel. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you are uh, cherishing it because we're gonna get to the next thing, which is you know kind of frustrating, but it's always important yeah. to kind of like as an artist, you know, we're not super well connected, we're not wealthy, so we have to take <laughs> our little victories. And that could even just be like I made a film that's cool and I like it. Um, right. But uh we were talking a couple weeks ago and it reminded me of when I was I premiered my first feature The Winds That Scatter um 
couple years ago, and I had been shooting it for, I shot it for like a year and a half, and I was like editing it for a really long time, and it was just this like huge moment, and then it finally got a premiere, and then it was great. I, you know, a lot of people came, and it was a good screening, and then the next day, I had this weird like emptiness, which was just like, ooh, it's finally over. But, <laughs> that, that feeling, man. That feeling I get so hard. <laughs> that just, like, I literally, it's so funny you say that because after the screening, like on an L Ray, I literally just got back to work writing. And and my, my girlfriend Victoria was just like, what, are you not gonna, just going to like take it in? I'm like, it's over. Like, I have to start the next thing. I'd never had like a, a feature before as my first feature. So I, didn't know what to expect, but I kind of thought something was going right. to happen the next day. Like, I thought just something. Like, anything. Yeah, like, like Hollywood was going to knock on your door. Like, no. you got Maxi, kid. <laughs> when, I, yeah. <laughs> when I... Just anything. And nothing anything. happened. Nothing. Nothing happened. I had no... I didn't get another screening till like, a month later. Like, I heard a month later. Which is cool, you know. I was very happy to have that. But, um, like, literally nothing happened, and I was just like, oh, that's okay. It was just very strange, because it's not how, like, the narrative kind of played out in my head. Um, yeah. And you, you were, know, you were I, kind I know, of... I know that feeling. Yeah, so we were talking, and uh, El Rey was great, and I, I'm proud of you, and you're happy about it, and you should be happy, but uh, it was kind of the same for you after, right? God, it's it's almost exactly the same. Where I was like, right afterwards, I was like, um, "What's gonna? What's what's the next step? Like, what's what do I do? You know, what what's get like nobody? So here's the thing: like, uh, everything that's happened for me is because I've reached out to people about it. You know, and you kind of have to be your own manager until somebody is just like, "Hey, I want to manage you," right? Like, you you got to treat it like. Like if you're not your own hype man, no one else is gonna be. You know, you can you can try to rely on your friends as much as you can, but at the end of the day, they got their own agendas and they got their own things to do. You know, you can, I can't expect people to be um, there for me 100 percent of the time because I'm barely there for me 100 percent of the time. Sometimes I'm like I'm just gonna sit in bed and do nothing. You know, um, but El Rey El Rey El Rey was fun. El El Rey was a great um, it was great validation that my action films are good. You know. I, I, I've been struggling because a lot of people, even in my life, are like, um, you know, they just didn't get it. They're like, oh, it's just an action film. It's just a, it's just an action sequence. And, and I'm like, no, there's this story in there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's difficult because th- this is what I love. I love action movies. And I'm trying to explain to people that action movies can be stories, too. Um but also, like, I was just expecting people to, you know, I, I took a couple, I took a couple meetings with some people, like, who were just like other filmmakers who were like, "What are you gonna do next?" And, you know, they're like, "We're gonna fund your next film," and then I never hear back from them, you know. And I've I've already been through that already, where I'm like, people have offered me money and then just not showed up. So I've always, I think I'm already jaded to that. Um, so I didn't really believe them, but I still took the like I still met with people, um, and it's funny because I've been to a couple of networking events since El Rey, and like I've met like writers who work on TV shows and and 
other people and I, and I told them what you know like oh yeah my film played on El Rey Network and they're like and you don't have an agent and you don't have a manager I'm like am I supposed to like like I didn't like nobody wants to take a meeting with me nobody wants to talk to me about my movie and if anybody does like you know even if if anybody even remotely watches my movie they're like your films are good but you have to work with more recognizable actors Oh great, great! It's great advice. Like I, I don't have any money to cast a name actor. <laughs> like, what? what I, I think people just assume that you know, or I'm sitting on a stockpile of money that I don't have. I made, I made safe house in seven hundred dollars, like eight, like eight, seven or eight hundred dollars. Like, like it wasn't a lot at all. Like we, I paid for people's travel and I paid for food, and everyone else volunteered their time, and everyone was so gracious with their time, you know, um, and I fed them well. My God. Um, but th- that's really it. Like, I I don't I don't know what to do next. You know, yeah. I I all I know is who I am, and I, I I'm a person who doesn't wait for people to give me permission to do things. You know, and so I'm gonna just make another action film as soon as possible, another short action film. But I wish I wish something did happen. I wish people would just like. I wish there was more opportunity for for after that. You know, um, the the aftermath was almost lackluster, but it, at, the, at the end of the day, it doesn't it doesn't matter because I can't wallow about it for for forever. I don't I don't want it to come off as like depressing or negative, but it, it is realist where it's just like, man, dude, your thing played on TV, right? And uh, I don't know, like I'm relating so much, like um, like uh, my second feature premiered a couple months ago in Torino. Film festival, which is like this place in Italy, um, and it was awesome. And it's like exactly what I, where I, the kind of place I want my films to. Or like, I had always dreamed of like playing like a cool like international film festival. Like, I'm sorry, but those were uh, those were my dreams. And I was like asking the programmers, and it's like, well, like where should I go next? Because I don't know anybody. I feel like people aren't like if you submit somewhere, they're not really like paying attention and if you email they'll like ignore you and they were just naming like all these obvious film festivals that i had like gotten rejected from and they were like the cool international ones and it's like you kind of you know it's frustrating because nobody is pointing out like what you have to do but they think you already have these things like those guys were asking like oh you don't have representation so it's just like well no how do i do that like or like right. for me, like I submitted to these places, like, but I take it as in like, oh, these programmers were like, oh, we love your film, and we can imagine it playing these festivals. Right. It, it belongs with everything else, which is just like, okay, well, I got rejected, but right. yeah, it's yeah. nice you that know, they it's think. Funny, it's funny you say that because like literally, like I asked some people like after El Rey, like where should I submit, and they're like, they named all the festivals that I got rejected from. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you have to take it as in like, like, okay, you might want to try again, you know, right. and, and email the, the people and be like, hey, this happened. Um, but at the very least, you can just take it as like, okay, so these people think after this thing, I should have representation. And they think the, f- the film is good enough to be playing at this like place of this caliber. Um, right. It's not much, but it's something that you 
so you have nothing. So you have to kind of take this and be like, all right, I appreciate that. And I had just have to do what I did again and, you know, right. make something. Uh, and that's what you have to do. But there's no, it's frustrating because there is no way to be like, okay, well, I maybe should be taking meetings, but I don't know how. Right. Like, that's another thing. Like, people are like, oh, you should be taking meetings. I'm like, all right. How? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, most agents don't even want you to, they don't want to be solicited. So, like, so then how, how, you know? It's just, yeah. it, it's frustrating because, like, you know, one of the things that I really want to do is I want to direct television. Um, I want to direct action TV so I can just get better at it and learn how people do it at that level. Um, and plus, man, you know, I, I would love to, you know, my dream is to direct a pilot of a, of another action series that might come out, you know, that'd be cool. You know? So, so a lot of the things that people told me were, Oh, you should apply to WB's directing workshop. Everyone told me that. And, but it also looks like everyone who's been on WB's directing workshop are a name actor directors that have done feature films with budgets or, uh, people who have already directed TV. Like, like, I, I don't know where I fit in there. Like, I've only directed this one, like, this short that played on TV, and I don't know, you know. I mean, I I've, I got great letters of recommendation. Like, they they asked for those. You know, the people who, who sent, like, a friend of mine named Eben wrote me a letter of recommendation, and he's, like, a very talented cinematographer who works for BBC. Like, he does BBC original shows and Amazon Prime TV shows, and, like... That's that I for me like I feel like if they don't read that and go maybe this guy's got potential like I don't know what else to do after that you know it's I don't think people realize like how hard it is like what we're up against in terms of like people again with more money and connections than us right you know I, I'm not in the industry my dad is a driver you know my dad my dad drives cars or drives people around that's what he does for a living you know um, like he's not. Uh, I, I, you know, and my mom, my mom's a stay at home mom. Like, you know, we, we live very below middle class. You know? So I don't, I don't know what people, people are like, Oh, you need to get bigger budgets. Like, how, how do I do that? Do I take on a loan? Like, do I, do I risk my entitled? Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Everyone, you know, keeps giving me this, these advice while also living in this bubble of like, security in a sense you know like I, I i can't you know i i have i have a couple friends who are in the industry who are very wealthy and make films all the time and I, i'm not hating on those people they're very nice people but like they give me the same advice they're like oh just find a way to do it I'm like it's easy for you to say mm-hmm. you know it's really easy for you to say but i have <laughs> i have a hundred dollars in my bank account you know and no savings because i say use it on my last like my last six projects you know, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't want, I don't want people to like listen to this and go, man, that's sad, but it's just the reality of like, you know, making films at this literally no budget level where we don't have that blanket of, um, people backing us. No, I want it. I want it to be real. You know, I, I want to, I'm glad you are able, I, I'm glad you're comfortable enough saying like what's in your bank account because I think I mean, people, I'm broke. I, I tell anybody, <laughs> I'll send you a screenshot of my bank account if you want. Yo, man, don't do that. <laughs> don't do anything but that. Um, no, I want people to know, you know because. It's funny, it's funny you say that. I, like, I did put, I posted a screenshot of my bank account after New Year's 
and it was negative 57 cents. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, this, is, this year's already starting off great. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's like, you have to make your own story. But I, I do think there's a lot of people, like, struggling and, and they need people to just be honest. And right, you, you shouldn't, know? like, you should not be, first of all, okay, nobody should be broke. Uh, but in this little, like, story we have of being filmmakers, like, why are you playing on El Rey and you're, you're broke? Like, why aren't you taking meetings? Like, why aren't these things happening? This is just very obvious to me and to you, I'm sure. But it's like, we just have to make films again with nothing. And I don't know. You know, it, it sucks because, you know, one of the things I had to do last year, which really sucked and what really pushed me back in like making little no budget films is, you know, my, my family doesn't have a lot of money. So I had to sell my camera to pay the electric bill. Um, and that's really set me back. Um, but I have friends, you know, I have good friends in this area who let me borrow their camera when I need to, you know, it it sucks having to borrow cameras, but like, that's, that's the reality of some of the stuff that we have to go through. You know, I, I had, it hurt me to sell my camera. It wasn't a great camera. It was a DSLR, but it's what I made most of my work on, you know? It sucks too because I want this show to kind of be, you know, at least a part of it is like honestly talking about about this thing that we want to do and how, you know, we are still struggling with with bills and stuff. Like I live in the basement of my in laws' place. That's not, you know, that's not fun for any of us. But it's like right. uh, I couldn't I couldn't do New York rent anymore, like New York City rent. But I felt like I had to be there because. You know, that's where all the cool New York filmmakers were at. And then I had to just exactly. work a lot and not even meet any of them. I don't know how people do it, honestly. I don't know how people live in New York City because I got priced out of New York City. Like, I, I couldn't afford it anymore. It was just, I went broke living there. You know, I, I, could, I couldn't keep up with it. Well, we have to, you have to do New York City rent. And then you have to be around to go to every single mixer so that people know you and then remember you. And then you I... still have to fund your own movies. And then in order to buy in, you also have to cast someone recognizable. Right. You know, and that's what we were talking about, too, a couple weeks ago. And I have this thing where I'm like, you know, I'm not really messing with that. But at a certain age, it's like, I'll try. You know, I should probably try because that's what people do. And it would be... uh, a certain kind of skill, I guess, to to work with, like, you know, a known actor of, of some sort. But then I think about right. all my friends who have tried to do that and how, like, they haven't been able to get anyone to take them seriously, like, unreturned emails or, like, a response that's a no after, like, three to four months of not hearing, and that's, like, time that could have been spent actually making the film, and they end right. up, like, with nothing, and they're really bummed, and it's like, oh, like, do I want to do that? That just seems like another thing to get frustrated by. I don't know. Right. And if you want to hear an answer, you have to hire a casting director. That's going to cost you money. And then a casting director has to go out and people with offers and you have to have money for those offers. And I don't have any money for those offers because you can get, you can get money if you get an actor attached, right? Like that's the whole thing. So, well, how do you get an actor attached with no money? You know? (laughs) And, and what's the point of this like WB directing thing? If, everybody's already you know i don't know how they are like financially but it seems just kind of obvious i've I've heard it's unpaid too so i don't even know if i if i get in i don't even know how i'm gonna do it we'll we'll set you up a a gofundme Um, oh man (laughs) but, but it's just like 
I see stuff like that all the time, and to me, it's 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 you don't need to know as much as I do, like hanging around in the scene for over ten years to be like, well, that's kind of odd. Like, why do they need this? It seems like they're doing okay. Which, right. again, scares me because then it's like you get to that point and you still need to do these, like, contests and stuff. And it's like, oh, God, like, what are we working towards, you know? It, it doesn't feel like there are really any outlets. Like, you know, yeah, yeah you, make a, you make your micro-budget feature, you make your micro-budget short, like, and it gets into – you get the one, like, 2% chance that it gets into a big film festival that changes your life. But that doesn't happen because a lot of these film festivals also, like, they, they figure out – what films they're going to put in the year, like they're tracking those movies, you know, they're, they're tracking films before you even, they even submit. Like I went to that, I went to that, like, you know, not, not only have I heard this from other people or, and programmers in general, like I, I was at this networking event with a ton of like writing, like people who write for television. And one guy's just like, Oh, film festivals are a racket. They're like, they already know who they want. Like, they're like, you have like less than a 1% chance of getting into these big festivals. I'm like, well, that makes me feel even worse. Like, yeah, like there's, I don't know. Like, unless you make something like so exceptional on no budget, like so exceptional and so original. And we all like to think that we're making stuff that is exceptional and original, but it also has to capture the eye of the person who's watching the screener and they have to align with your taste or your, and they can't, they can't have bias. It's, it's so many different little things that it just drives me nuts just thinking about it yeah it's really it's really really difficult and you know you should try i mean like you got into el ray which is right. sweet and you didn't know anybody so i didn't yeah it's it's always worth doing it just you know you're talking about like festivals know who they want or they're like tracking people and that's true and you know you'll find a couple cases where that's not the case but it's like there's it's it's not like they have like 70 slots to fill or even 20 slots to fill because they already have that kind of plan for certain people, which is like a lot of people, but it's not us, you know? So they have um, like one or two slots they can kind of like screw around in. Right. And then that's, that's the, and then you were fighting for that two spots, you know? And also like, you know, I don't know, man, like that kind of, I feel like that kind of culture creates, a kind of a like a toxic competition where we treat every other filmmaker like as like only competition and I don't I feel like that's wrong like I'm a big fan of a lot of the filmmakers I've met you know I like you know you know John Yost I'm a huge fan of John Yost's films I'm a huge fan of your films you know like I've seen I've I've witnessed you direct and I loved the way you you make films you know I've become a fan of you I still haven't seen that film yet by the way the one that I helped yeah you better send it to me <laughs> but like I thought so you're but even the shots that I worked on with you I felt your vision for it you know I felt the way you choose framing and the way you you have your characters place like it like I, I'm blowing smoke up your ass now um and I'm just kidding um <laughs> but it's just like we should support each other on an indie level because at the end of the day like that's all we have like if we're we have no connections the only thing we have are each other and you know like whether it comes down to sharing if we you know honestly at an indie level if we could all just go around sharing our like our films like network to network we could have like a million views on one video like as long as we just share it you know yeah it's tough i mean you're very encouraged to 
I mean, even auteur theory, very much like individualized, like as if, you know, you're there just by the language we use and the way we like kind of think about the film scene, whatever that means, it's very individualized and pitting each other against each other. That stresses me out because I don't like to treat people like competition. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of people treat me like I'm that. They keep me at an arm's distance away. A lot of people have, and you know. And it frustrates me because I'm not like that. You know, the only person I'm trying to get better than is me, you know. Like, I want to make my next film better and better. Like, I don't want to regress to making bad... Like, I don't want to make bad movies, you know. I don't want to make bad versions of the films that I want to make, you know. And I also want to watch people's movies and go, wow, that was great. You know, like, I really love that. Like, what can I do to help, you know. Um, I don't know. I this, This industry frustrates me. Because I feel like there are no real opportunities, or they're only looking at people who get to like a certain level, and then they're like, "All right, fine, you can come in now." You know? Well, yeah. I mean, I I would think like something like you're doing, especially because like you're essentially like playing within a genre. Like I'm not, right. but you are. So I would assume like again, if I knew nothing to like look at your film, you're like, "Oh, that's a cool action sequence." Like, what if we gave this guy money? Uh, just to see what he can do like that right. just i mean that's how we were led to believe this system was and right. it's not yeah. really yeah. like that it's crazy you say that because like i you know i'm a big wachowski's fan like i love the wachowski's and uh you know i i listen to the behind the scenes and I, like a lot of the commentary and they talk about you know they wrote the matrix and they don't really tell you how they got the matrix in the hands of people right they don't tell you how they Nobody ever says how they got the script to people. Nobody ever says, like, oh, my friend gave it to them or, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, nobody wants to get – it's like a secret, right? And the, But, like, nobody – like, even them, they're like, oh, we, we wrote The Matrix and we wanted to direct it. And they're like, no way. You can't direct it. But here's $5 million to direct your first feature. If it does well, then maybe you can direct The Matrix. Like – all right, like they're like, and then they made a five million dollar feature film, which was no, it wasn't five million, it was two million. It was Bound. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, I don't know, like, why, like, where are those opportunities? Yeah, like, how did you get in that room to begin? How did you have that conversation? It was like right. with the um, they were they had like an Oscar roundtable directors talk. Uh-huh. So they had Bradley Cooper there, and he was like talking about Stars Born, and he's like. He's like, yeah, I went up to the to the execs and I was like, I have this crazy idea for a Star is Born, like kind of like low budget. And they're like, yeah, man, try it. And I was just like, what? What the fuck is that? <laughs> like, what do you mean? What do you mean try it? Yeah, it's like very relatable. Um, but yeah, it's there is that like weird thing where it's like, well, how did you make the jump? And then you're kind of just like you're for me, it was like how do I get this thing seen? How does I get this thing played? So I'm going to email certain people and ask them for like contacts, recommendations and stuff. And then sometimes, you know, and they're not really like friendships because if someone doesn't email you back, if someone can't even just be like, you know, I don't really know this person that well, or like I'm using my like, connection for something else then they're not really friends to begin with um but yeah eventually people start stop emailing back or just like won't help you out and then it's then you're just like a pest and then it's like but i don't know what else to do i don't know like 
how else to like get my film out there because I don't really have a shot. I don't know anybody. And now I'm really bad at that. I'm, I'm really bad at like asking people for things. Mm-hmm. So whenever I do ask somebody for anything, I feel like a complete like horrible human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like and I, I think it's. I've, I've, I don't know if I'm ever going to get over that guilt of asking people for things. Oh, totally. Um, I mean, that's from my childhood, basically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it sucks that we're in this, you know, kind of business where we have to do that. And right. you, you mentioned it before, too, where you have to, like, kind of pump your own work. And I think that also includes, like, pumping your friend's work. But it's also just, like, if you're not, like, a showman, if you're, like... You know, there's there's times when I'm, like, pretty shy or, like, I don't really know how to, like, get into a social situation. I've gotten better. But I just think about people who are, like, are really talented and there's something there. And what? Because they can't, like, cheerlead their own project. Like, right. nothing happens. And that's such a shame. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, for New York being, like... You know, as crazy as it is in the indie scene, it really just pushes people who it really just push people who like who make their first films with budgets. Like, I don't know. I don't know. How do people get money for things? I don't I don't know who like, where do people meet investors. I don't, I don't I don't know any of these things. They have money and they know people with money. It's pretty much right. What I gather. Um, yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> On that note, uh, we've had you for quite a while, so I'm going to let you go. Uh, would you like to say anything as you part? Um, God, uh, if anybody wants to fund any of my movies, I guess, reach out to me. Come on, <laughs> man. You can't say that. I know, I know, I know. I know. No, you can. Uh, no, I don't, I let can? Me, and let me know I if can. it works. <laughs> I will let you know. Um, I don't know, man. I, I feel like if anybody's in the same position that I am and, you know, when they make films where they feel like they're just not going to get anything done is, is, is my, my advice, my, my advice to people is keep it simple and figure out how you can do it with as minimal people as possible. And in two days, like that's not a lot of commitment. You can get a gaffer for two days. You can get a gaffer for a day. And you can get people to bring their stuff for a day. If you can figure out something to do, like it doesn't matter how long a short film is. Like I made a one minute short film that went to film festivals and did really well. You know, as long as you can come up with something simple that you can, and that's also pushing your limitations, you know, figure out if you have no money, you have time. And if you have no money, you have to figure out how you can use that time the most efficiently, you know, um, I mean, if people if people need to talk, reach out to me. Find me on Facebook. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. I mean, I'm Bang Pop. I'm Bang, uh, bang Pop Flack on Twitter. Um, I'm Micah underscore Khan on Instagram, and my Facebook is Micah Khan. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just feel like it, again, like if anybody's out there and they're they're feeling the same way I am, just keep it simple, stupid. Right? That's the rule. Uh, that's what I tell my. That's what I have written in my in, in my on my wall, you yes. know, in the wall of my mind. <laughs> um, kiss, yeah. Keep it simple, <laughs> stupid. Yeah, it's it's etched in the back of my mind, the wall of my mind. Um, yeah, I mean, and also, I mean, if you're gonna make films, don't make excuses. And you know, one of the things that really makes me mad about. Uh, one, one thing that really infuriates me is when people make their first short film, like, and they do a crowdfunding campaign for like two thousand dollars. Just if it's two thousand dollars, just make it. Like, just grab a camera, 
figure out how to light things and just do it yourself at that rate. You know, why do you need $2,000 to make a, a, a short film that I can do in a day with no money? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. And it is just you, baby. Um, it's just you. Thank- Chris, man, thank you, for, thank you for reaching out to me. I really appreciate, you know, coming onto this podcast. And, and I hope that, you know, in the future, when we are both successful filmmakers, that we can do this podcast again and be like, yo, how much money you got in your bank account? <laughs> if we're not, though, it would still be a good app. Yeah. You know, I, I, will, I will always be there to help you, my friend. And I you. All right, brother. Bye. Bye.